0: Everybody, welcome to another episode of the rich ad poor ad podcast today we have david slosh the founder owner of convertry.com he is an og in the game has been running ads since 07 has a massive account that shoot is valued at around 2 billion dollars right now runs a ton of ads for fortune 500 companies um, and probably roughly manages 2.5 to 3 million a month so welcome david slosh thanks for coming on man would love to kind of have everybody get to know you a little bit more Um, so go ahead and introduce yourself there. Awesome, man. Really appreciate it. So yeah, David
1: Schloss, like, like you mentioned, been running ads since 2007. I started in college when I was at the university of Florida. I basically did not see the wave of people running social ads until around 2010 and 2012. That's when a lot of people were finally starting to transition. But the real breakout, uh, was around 2013 when people started running a lot of Teespring ads uh, a lot of a lot of apparel-based stuff back then, you know, scraping custom audiences and things like that, uh, UIDs. And so I, I've been in the the game as long as, you know, a lot of people who maybe first started out in the corporate side of things, because I know Facebook started some ads back then in 05, 06 for them. I started back when the public side uh, when anyone could join uh, was open. That's when I jumped in, right? So when you were able to spend five bucks a day and get, a, you know, a thousand clicks, that's when I jumped in. And I've, I've seen the evolution of the platform, you know, when they brought on WhatsApp and Instagram and, you know, Oculus and all these things and been testing out as much as I can on this platform. But also, it, I mean, it basically changed my life. I mean, it brought me out of the hole twice. I almost went bankrupt twice. And if it wasn't for ads and understanding the platform and helping people scale their businesses with it, uh, I don't know what platform I'd be running ads on right now, but it wouldn't have been Facebook. But But thankfully, you know, they've continued to grow. They're a huge company now. And um, many of us, including myself, have benefited from it.
0: Oh, yeah, man. That's just wild how long you've been kind of part of this game. It's, it's kind of see where you kind of come from. It's just, you know, absolutely, you know, awesome there. Now, just just so anybody, everybody has some context, you know, as mentioned, you mentioned you're kind of roughly spending 2.5 to 3 mil a month on average, but mm-hmm. during those holiday seasons, what do you think that climbs up to? Because I, I know you kind of mentioned it earlier, and I was like, oh, it's going to be a good one. <laughs> yeah, so... I'll
1: use the last two years as an example because that's when we had the biggest push. Um, in the last two years, last year, um, we spent during October through December, we actually spent roughly $7 million a month on average. That was just last year. Ooh. <laughs> and then the year before was actually when we had our breakout. And I'll tell you, uh, one of the companies. Uh, One of the products we were selling the year before that, we actually had October, it was more of like a cascading thing. October, we spent five million, November, we spent six million, and then December, we spent nine. Wow. And the reason for that was because we had a product that broke out to the point where Facebook actually wanted us to write a case study about it as a success story. Um, We were selling a mobile accessory for iPhone X back then, uh, iPhone X, or any other versions prior to that, where it was basically a mobile phone charger that would go in your car, right? It was back when you would, um, there weren't that many providers of this product, not even on Alibaba or AliExpress. Like this was a private label thing that they developed on their own. And, you know, you would stick it in like the dash of your car. It was magnetic. It would stay there, charge your phone wirelessly. So it it would just hang off your dashboard. And at the time, there were only two other companies that were selling something like that. And I took over the account because for some reason, their ad manager prior just did not know how to scale it. The first month I took over was October. So they were like, hey, man, your budget's open. You could do whatever you want because we need to start (laughs) pushing right now. They didn't know that the first day I was going to start spending 10K a day. (laughs) You said it was open. So I'm going to go ahead and do whatever I want. Like, I'm going to go ahead and push this thing. And first month, we were just, day one, we started at, you know, 10K a day. Oh, it's, oh my God, it's averaging a, a 4X ROI out of the gate. Cool. Let's go to 15K a day. Like, it was just push. And it got so aggressive that we were like, screw it, let's target worldwide. Because at first, we were only doing US and Canada. And then they were like, no, screw it, sell everywhere. We were selling millions of dollars a month of this little gadget that cost 50 bucks. Oh, man. 50 bucks. It got so bad that the manufacturer got mad at us because we almost made them run out of inventory. So we had to get a second supplier during the holiday season. And have them produce at a rate that they weren't prepared for. so it, it actually got to the point that by the end of the holiday season, they had three different companies helping produce and ship the same product wow. in China, in China. And we had special shipping rates, too. So it's like we literally could have had something bought over there and shipped to someone in the u s. within like seven days,
0: man, because we' were I'm selling not- so much. <laughs> Oh yeah, and I imagine once they see that volume, they're like, "Okay, these are some awesome, you know, businesses to work with." Let's go ahead, you know, make it a little bit more worth their while too. I would imagine.
1: Yeah, exactly. And that that was actually the 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 breakout moment for me when it came to like uh, you know communicating with people at Facebook. You know, even when they had the agency partner program in its infancy, I remember the day it was released. I got an email and it said, "Hey, you already qualify for like the preferred partner." You're, I mean, premium. You have to be spending like twenty million. In a quarter type of thing yeah and i'm like well you know if you look at my holiday spending i guess i already kind of fit that bill but when you look at it from a consistency standpoint you know i'm like one level below what maybe like a major corporation would be getting in terms of support from facebook you know so immediately upon them opening that platform i was like holy like damn i'm only one level below where i want to (laughs) be and that's not bad (laughs) to just do what i was always doing um so yeah it's i've always had a great relationship with the people at Facebook. I've always talked to marketing reps, like the regular people. I don't just shoot them away. Like, oh yeah, you're just entry level. Like, no, I talk to everybody, you know? And unfortunately sometimes that could be 20 different reps, but, um, you know, the great <laughs> thing is now I have a dedicated one. So it's not that big of a deal, but yeah, it, that was the beginning of me having a, a lot more, um, uh, I wouldn't say leeway, but a lot more people to talk to when things go a little, little crazy at Facebook, at least I have someone to talk to about it.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, you said it perfectly there. I mean, we get especially with the amount of accounts you have access to, I'd imagine you have so many marketing experts hitting you up to where they may not be able to provide too much value. But hey, you have somebody on the inside for at least a little bit to kind of, you know, help navigate those roadblocks, because that Facebook ecosystem is just wild, you know, so
1: Yeah, yeah, you never know when you're not going to have someone to talk to. So you might as well take advantage of it while you have it.
0: Exactly. So, you know, let's go ahead and take a page out of the rich dad, poor dad, and, you know, discuss the financial principle side of things. Mm-hmm. So with these massive budgets, for these clients, I mean, how are you coming up with test budgets? I know you mentioned, you know, that one client said, Hey, you got free reign to spend whatever. But when it comes to kind of more the average clientele you get, do they give you a set amount? Or how does that kind of play out there?
1: Yeah, most people in the beginning will start with a set amount because they're not truly sure where their point of scale is. Right, so they may be setting up a budget of let's say twenty thousand dollars in a month, right now they may expect me to start out of the gate spending five hundred or maybe even a thousand a day right because they know that some some advertisers they'll spend a thousand a day on day one, but they'll start cutting it back right? It's really just throwing everything at the wall to see what sticks yeah I've always told people that I know how to figure things out for as little as two hundred dollars a day, and I can figure it out pretty quickly because there's There's ways that you could determine if an ad is getting any sort of traction, whether it's from an engagement standpoint, a click standpoint, or sales for that matter. And then you could take that and sort of create your second round of testing. So for example, let's just use a, um, let's say a course that's 497. It's a webinar, and you're just trying to generate some registrations, right? At 300 a day or 200 a day, you're not not really targeting a lot of audiences, right? You're not. Even if you set them to 50 a day, or if you're doing a, a CBO, and you set it to 200 or 300, you're not going to put more than maybe four to five audiences in there. So what I usually would do is, you know, everyone says, start with your warm audience. Eh, That's cool. But I don't always want to start with the warm audience because that's going to be very different results from the cold audience, especially click standpoint or engagement. I use warm audiences to inflate engagement and CTR, but I don't use them as the running metric of whether or not something's going to convert because they already know who you are. Yep. But if I see that the ad... Can get a lot of engagement or even a, a solid click through rate. Let's just say above a two and a half percent with the warm audience. I'm like, all right, I've hit the nail on the head with my people. I wonder if this also works with the cold audience. So I might apply 125 a day, for example, to warm in the beginning just to see what happens, and then I'll put maybe 100 or 150 a day as an example to the cold audiences. And I'll start with lookalikes of the customer list or even a look alike of you know maybe the lead list or something like that. Just the standard stuff that you should start with anyway right? Nothing nothing different. But like I said, I already tested it with warm for a day. I see the CTR is looking strong. Engagement's there. Let me just use the post ID, carry it over to the cold audience and see if they respond even closely to what I'm seeing on the warm side. Mm. If I launch to these cold audience people and I'm getting, let's say a 1.5% click-through rate, but the engagement is very similar, I'm okay with that. I can still run with it for an extra day or two. Then if I see that maybe the lead cost is at a level that makes sense on both sides, both warm and cold, Now I know I've done a small test. Let me ramp this up from two or three hundred a day to six hundred a day. See how this runs, right? Yeah. And for anyone who's curious, this is an auto webinar because you could see I'm doing it slow and steady. I'm trying to find the momentum before I really crank this up. Mm -hmm. If this was a live webinar, you don't have that time. You might have a five or six day stretch to get as many registrations as you can. So on day one, you're just going to throw everything at it. You might throw 2K immediately. At everything, and then just cut back and let it run for the rest of the time. But with an auto webinar, you can go slow and steady. And right now, most of my clients who run webinars are doing auto webinars. So we'll do things like that. You know, we'll start two, 300 a day, then we'll boost it to five, 600 a day. If we could see that the CTR and engagement are still aligned, but the lead cost isn't quite where we want it to be, that means we have a messaging problem. If mm-hmm. we see that the click through rate and the uh, maybe the CPC and all that starting to the CPC is going up, the CTR is going down, but the leads are still coming in. That's fine. All we're really looking for as a metric is getting those leads. But the ad click-through rate in the CPC is giving us an idea of whether or not people are even paying attention to our stuff. Because that's what we want in the beginning. We need to make sure we're grabbing attention. Yeah. And if we're not getting attention, no one's going to opt in. Right. So it, we, we do that slow and steady pace until we see not even a purchase. We just want to make sure people are going through to the webinar. That proof of concept, more or less. Yeah. We're just trying to prove the concept. Then, of course, our rule of thumb with something like a webinar is we don't even want to make a massive change until we've had at least 300 people watch the webinar. Mm. Not, not 300 registrations, 300 viewers. So if it takes you 600 registrations before you can get 300 viewers, so the 50% watch rate, and let's say your leads cost you 10 bucks a piece, you just spent 6k before you have to determine if you need to make a change. That's why we're trying to keep that lead cost low in the beginning right? That's why you could see we're doing incremental shifts in the beginning before we do mass scale. Because too many people go mass scale in the beginning, spend 510k and they're like, oh, nothing's working. It's like, I could have told you that with 2k. If you just gave it some time. Oh, yeah.
0: Yeah. And I mean, I think that's spot on. So, I mean, even if they're spending, you know, massive amounts of money, I mean, you, you can really, you know, test these smaller budgets to kind of just test the needle a little bit and see how much it moves. So, I mean, I think that's a really valuable concept that people don't really grasp. Just think you need to spend a bunch of money on Facebook to kind of get tests when in reality, you don't necessarily have to, but of course, it always depends on the average order value, yep. you know, the conversion cycle and whatnot. I mean, even a watch rate at 50%, is that's that's awesome. <laughs> I feel yeah. like you have done a ton of webinars and it's usually like 20-ish, 25, but, yeah, you know, that's pretty killer there. Now with these accounts, I mean, even the bigger spenders, I mean, are they on Facebook billing invoices or like, I'm trying to think of how they're kind of maximizing this. Cause I mean, Mm -hmm. there's so much, you know, more on the back end offers, whether it's points, cash back or something to where with these big budgets, I mean, it's pretty lucrative there. Like, would you happen to have any insights on those?
1: Yeah. So, you know, of course, when an advertiser is spending over a hundred thousand a month, that's that's when things get really creative, right? You have some of these clients of mine. Like the corporate ones, the corporate ones will be on, on the, uh, like the Facebook billing cycle, right? They might have like Facebook credit and then they just pay the big bill at the end of the month type of thing. Yeah. Whereas others, let's say like the e guys that I work with, you know, they might spend 200K a month, but what you don't realize is that you know, 50 to 100K of that every month is put on a Chase Sapphire card. And then mm-hmm. the other 50 or 100 is put on an Amex Platinum card. And then the other 50,000 might be put on a cashback card. So they're rotating cards. But here's the thing. For some people, they're going to go, how are they doing that in one account? I didn't say they were doing that in one account. <laughs> we have two or three accounts running. So one account's the cashback account. One account is the Sapphire, and the other one's the Platinum, right? And oh, we, yeah. we, we segment out not just the cards. We, we understand the purpose of having multiple cards. One goes down. Something happened with fraud. That account goes down. We have to have the ability to rotate. And they're not virtual cards, by the way. These are real cards, okay? I, I have some clients who have upwards of 15 credit cards. Because they run a lot of traffic, so they have to move things around, and God forbid an account gets shut down or a, a you know, card gets hit for fraud because someone stole it. Well, don't worry. We got plenty of other cards to rotate, right? That, they're always prepared. But even with the major corporate account that I manage, like this, this billion-dollar company, they're just running on, on Facebook's billing um, like credit system, like the one where it's like, oh, we're running on your credit, and then at the end yeah. of the month, we'll just pay it. Uh, and the reason for that is just it's easier on their accounting. You know, one month we might spend a hundred K for them. The next month they want to spend 300, especially because they're more in the insurance game. There are certain parts of the year where insurance is hot. So they want to leave that open credit for when they're going to spend the most, you know, so there's only
0: certain pockets of the year where they really want to up their budget. And then other times of the year, they want to spend very little. Yeah. Timing is everything there. Now with these accounts with all the, you know, the 15 plus cards, I mean, what do you think the benefit they're most intrigued by is cash back, you know, maybe some sort of 30 day float or something, or what do you, even if you have that info, I mean, what do you think that trigger is?
1: It's the float. So think about Amex, right? With Amex, they have like the pain, you know, you could pay later type of thing, but it's always like a 30 day delay. Yeah. Right. So even if the card is due at the end of the month, you have 30 days to pay. That does Hmm. help with some businesses, especially with econ. Then you have things like with Sapphire. They actually have, when you're a big spender, they actually have some times where you could pay upwards of like 60 to 90 days later, depending on like your history. And of course, with a lot of these guys, they have such great payment history that it's okay that they can, they could be a month behind, quote unquote behind on something because, you know, Chase knows that they'll pay it. But the reason why that they have all these different types of cards outside of the points, the points are always great. Don't get me wrong. You know, they, I have one client that gets so many points from advertising that he's buying his team gifts with those points every <laughs> year, right? It's like, it's his way of providing them with a holiday spirit type of thing. It's like, here's your gift. Here's your gift. Because it's coming off of all the money they've made from those points. You know, it's like you made all this money from, all, you know, everything you've spent. And then those points are attributing to you get a MacBook, you get a TV, you know, like that type of stuff. It's cool. But then the cashback ones are always interesting because a lot of the accounts we have cashback cards on are actually retargeting accounts. So here's my I of that. They're accounts that basically run all the time with the best performing ads from warm audiences or uh, I'll call them semi-warm audiences, you know, like visitors, engagers, things like that. And the reason why we have the cashback cards on them is because they, they don't have a lot of changes going on in those accounts. Yeah. Rarely is there ever a shutdown, if ever, because it's just running to people who want their stuff anyway. It's all retargeting-based or dynamic retargeting on, on the stores and whatnot. And we know what that budget's going to be because it's very fixed. You know, we're spending the majority of our money on, on things such as cold audiences, but you know, Hey, if you're spending 200, $300,000 a month, you might be spending 25 to 50 K on just retargeting. Yeah. Easily so put That on the cashback card and you're straight, you're making a good amount of money back. And once again, my clients are so thankful for their people that a lot of the cashback they make just is put towards something in the corporate environment. Meaning like, who wants to take a trip this year? The whole team goes on a trip with all the money they got back from the cashback card. Right. Or maybe they do like a raffle at the end of the year. And it's like, you know, someone's going to get a free $5,000 vacation. That was paid for with the cashback. Like it's not coming out of their pocket. Right. So they use these as incentives more than just, Oh, I'm going to put it back in my pocket and go buy myself some cool stuff.
0: Oh, for sure, and I can only imagine how many businesses are wrap, you know, just racking up, you know, flight points from COVID and everything. to where there are probably going to be so many COVID employee trips after this, it's going to be nuts. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> well, heck yeah! I mean, that was that was juicy there. I always let to take a little segue trip and kind of dive into some rich ad and poor ads. You down? Yeah, let's do it. Heck yeah! So, what are you feeling first, the rich ad or the poor ad first, David? Let's do the poor one. Okay. Heck yeah. to give some context for everybody and as mentioned we'll kind of post these links in the show notes so you know individuals have some kind of context here but with this you know actual ad here it's the unhindered voice it's the truth about hitting powerful high notes Mm -hmm. so it's all about singing um and the amount of engagement on this is absolutely unreal but it seems to be kind of a special training on you know hitting those higher notes when singing Mm -hmm. but i mean it's got four hundred fifty thousand views over a thousand comments a thousand shares to where this actually looks like a good ad, you know, mm-hmm. above the surface, but I know you mentioned it's not. So David, let's go ahead and kind of rip it apart, give the strategy, the context behind it. So kind of, you know, people can dig deep and see why this didn't work actually.
1: Yeah. So, so what's interesting is on the surface level, you look at the ad and you're like, Oh, this thing must be cranking. It must be doing great. And, and you're thinking that mainly because of the fact that it has so much engagement, right. And the, wow. the video itself had hundreds of thousands of views. But what people don't realize is that that same ad, when it has that much engagement, the click-through rate's insane, it's like a 4% or higher, Mm. like the lead cost is low. What was weird is that we'd get all these registrations for this webinar. And then when the webinar came, we would rarely break even on the webinar. So I'm like, "Mm, maybe the webinar just needs some work, right? That's always the first thought. Maybe the webinar just needs some work. So let's rerun this ad again because it's doing so well. So many people are registering. Let's just use it again. So we would keep reusing this same ad because it just hit the nail on the head every time. Two, $3 registrations all day, sometimes even less depending on the audience we're targeting. And and you'd think it's a singing offer. Why isn't it converting if you're just targeting everyone who's a singer, right? What we realize is that when it has to do with anything singing, there are like 90% people who don't take singing as serious as the 10% who want to do it for a living. So we'd get a lot of people registering who just simply wanted to be better singers, but they didn't want to do it professionally, or they didn't want to do it more, even semi-professionally. And the offer is particularly for people who want to do it professionally. And so we'd have a lot of people registering for this webinar who just simply did not want to take that next step. But the, the ad itself was doing so good that on the surface, you'd think, man, this webinar must be killing it. They must be making hundreds of thousands of dollars a year or millions of dollars. Nope. <laughs> nope, we, we would be spending, you know, four or five thousand dollars a webinar, and we'd barely ever get to break even. Most of the time, we'd actually be losing money every time. How every much? Time how it. much have you spent on this ad individually? You think was it? That, that one ad it, itself spent thirty thousand dollars. Oof, and that it one did. Ad, and it did. did not break even. Oh man, yeah. that's a
0: beating there, shoot.
1: Yeah, and on top of that, I mean, we it built such a huge list. That I I remember telling the client, I'm like, hey, if you just tweak the offer and say nothing about being a professional singer, but more of like, just be a better singer, maybe this thing will convert. I remember I, I said this over the phone. He's like, you know what? I'll give it a shot. We ran the webinar just like a basic, you know, hey, sing better at parties, sing better with your friends. Like just make it something more of like a, just sing better. And even that didn't work. I'm like, how the hell is this not working? We went as broad as we could (laughs) and it still didn't work. And that's when I realized like this space is just full of hobbyists. Everyone wants to just be a great singer, but they don't want to do it professionally. And the ones who do want to do it professionally will spend thousands of dollars working with people to make sure they can at least sing on stage somewhere. And they may never even become a professional, but they'll at least try. And it's such a small amount of people that you actually would be a better coach, a singing coach than you would if you were trying to do
0: an offer. That was a couple hundred bucks. That makes sense there. So, man, just a ton of tire kickers, it seems like, in this audience as a whole. A lot. A lot. I mean, tens of
1: thousands of tire kickers is what what we had. Um, And it just just didn't work out. I mean, that was the worst ad we had from that campaign. We had other ones that did just as bad. Man, but but this is that
0: cream of the crop when it comes to the
1: bottom of the bucket, huh? (laughs) Yeah. I mean... (laughs) I mean, of course, I, I always made a joke to him where I'm like, hey, maybe if we just showed him how to start a business, it would change everything. <laughs> He's like, yeah, everyone wants to make money from home. Uh, maybe we can find a way to tweak this and try something else. But that's not his business. Yeah. It's more of a joke. But it's, it's one of those things where, you know, when you have a broad offer, getting in shape, make more money, find a relationship, you could target anybody. You could target people who play Xbox and get people to sign up, right? It doesn't matter because everyone wants to get in shape. Everyone wants to make money. Everyone wants to have a good relationship, right? They're broad This is a singing offer. It is specific, even though lots of people want to be good singers, and so we were just not hitting the nail on the head. We were hitting the nail on the head and getting them intrigued to show up, but we weren't. We weren't
0: delivering the message that would get them to buy anything. Yeah. And so we just had a lot of problems there. No, that makes total sense. And just kind of recap for everybody. I mean, you know, four hundred fifty thousand views, a ton of engagement, thirty thousand spent plus on this ad, and didn't even get to that break even point. So it goes to show, you know, the audience to kind of understanding it's, you know, really everything there. Now, let's go ahead and dive into this rich ad. This one got me wanting to do this program. No joke. I mean, shoot, Mm -hmm. we're looking at 7.9 million views, 1000s of comments 2500 shares. And and I know you mentioned this ad's been running for 14 months, but just everybody has some context, Adam Freider transform your physique without lifting a single weight so it's a big calisthenics um, program Um, it's a killer video the comments are epic on here but David let's go ahead and take it away man
1: yeah so this ad has been running for a very long time (laughs) and what's interesting is that you know you can you could take a fitness offer this is calisthenics like you mentioned and you can start slow right so you can target the U.S. see what happens if it does well move it to Canada does well in Canada, move it to the UK, maybe even move it to all of Europe. And you just start introducing more countries as you go. Because that's what we did. It was country to country to country. Because a lot of people, when they see something working, especially a broad offer like this, yeah, you can go worldwide. You, you definitely can because we're doing that. But it's one of those things where when you do country by country, the ad doesn't get stale as fast. And so we just went from country to country. And as we did that, we're like, hmm, let well, you know, do two, three months in the US. Okay, it's doing well. Let's move it to Canada. Oh, it's good. All right, two, three months have gone by. Now we're doing six months in the US, two, three months in Canada. All right, this is doing good. Let's do the UK. Man, this thing's crushing immediately in month one. Let's move <laughs> it to, you know, France. Let's move it to we just kept opening it up. And next thing you know, 14 months later, I'm like, why is this ad still running? Like we have a bunch of other ads, but this one <laughs> still works. And yet It's because the engagement's crazy. I mean, you saw it. It's almost eight million views. Yeah. It's like twenty one thousand reactions or something. Comments have lost track. It's it's all over the place. And it's just because it hits on that emotional hot button that everyone wants, which is I want to work out with no weights. A lot of people
0: don't want to work out with weights at all. Oh, it's a huge barrier of entry. Yeah. I mean, and when you look at the guy,
1: you could tell he's not lifting heavy weights. He's just shredded. He's just shredded. And all he does is calisthenics. Like, that's his main thing. He works out outside all the time. And it works for people overseas because it's like, hey, you don't have to buy any equipment. And this course is really cheap. It's like 60-something bucks. Oof. Now, of course, the funnel, by the way, is deep. <laughs> the funnel, it's, it's like at the end of it, maybe you'll, you'll spend two or 300 bucks. And that's not including there's a continuity offer way in the back uh, for an app, right? So the, the long-term value or the lifetime value of this is way more. Yeah. But we just want people to get in for 60, 70 bucks, and then we'll figure out the rest. Here's the funny thing our CPA is like 35 bucks. Mm. So we're making money already off the front end. We'll even take someone that comes in for $60. You know why? Because we know the back end converts. So oh, yeah. we only have to get a return on ad spend of about a 1.3 to be profitable. That one oh, yeah. ad is doing way more than that. <laughs> but, but overall, in the account, we get to be as aggressive as we want. Because, like I said, as long as we can get a 1.3, we're making money. So, you know, some of these (laughs) screenshots posted on Facebook these days of people doing crazy numbers. I'm like, that's cool, man. Like, all we have to do is spend two or 300K a month on this, get a 1.5, but then the guy's making hundreds of thousands of dollars in profit off our 1.5. Yeah. So, you tell me what works better. You know, I'm going for volume here because the guy understands the more volume we can bring in, the more potential for his continuity offer on the back. And as someone who used to run ads for a very popular uh, app that only costs about eight bucks a month, it's in the fitness space as well as in yoga. Like the guy would lose money on the front end all the time. We'd acquire buyers for 15, 20 bucks, but the people who'd pay $8 a month would stay for like a year. Mm. As of today, I don't run ads for that guy anymore, but as of today, he has over 15,000 people paying eight bucks a month. Ooh, that's some MRR right there! Holy yeah. moly! So, so it just shows you, like, when you 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 provide the right value, people get results. It doesn't matter how much it costs in the front end; just get people in the funnel and let the the value sort of just you know come from people's results. And that's what we're experiencing with with Adam. It's like just keep throwing money at it and let the back end do its job, and we'll be fine. It's not about getting a five row ads on the front end. That'd be great. Don't get me wrong; we'd all make a lot more money, but. We know that we've been pushing this thing so aggressively for so long that even if we could just get a 1.5, we're doing fantastic. We could do a oh. 1.7, we're doing great. You know, it's, we don't have to go crazy with
0: it. Oh, yeah, especially with these types of brands. It's, it's, you know, it's an LTV angle there. So mm-hmm. now, how much do you think this video spent you know, out of oh, the, the 14 months of its life? Would you say 100K plus, 300K plus? What's the- Way more,
1: way more, Woo! way more. Um, that one ad itself is probably approaching 500,000 or more. Wow. Um, and, and the only reason why I've lost track is cause this, this, uh, this guy's running three different offers across three different accounts. Mm. So I don't really even know if I have this ad in the other account because we, we have, we have one account that's like the main spender. We have one account that is the best performer account, meaning like all the best performing ads, eventually it moved over here and they run in this other account. And then we have the third account, which is the retargeting account. And so the, the. Big spending account, which is just like all the testing and everything. For some reason, this ad continues to run in that account because we test it with everything. Like we test angles, we test um, audiences, different layered audiences, lookalikes, you know, everything lookalike with an interest, interest only, no interest at all, like all of that. So this ad is almost like the test dummy. Yeah. And it's definitely spent way more than 500,000 now that I think about it. Because there was a couple months where this was like the main ad running in the account and we were spending 100,000 plus just with this ad is like the primary ad. So probably closer to a million, I'm sure. But Jeez. but it's one of those things where it's very rare you have an ad that runs for that long anymore. Yeah, you know, This was in the, let's say like from 2014 to 2018, there were quite a few accounts I ran where ads were running for six to 12 months at a time, consistently. And that was back when, you know, there weren't as many quarterly changes or monthly changes at Facebook. Like the big changes were maybe twice a year. Now it's almost like every month yeah but back then it was very rare so when there was a big change your ads would take a dump and you just switch them up now it's like you got you pretty much got to switch up your ads every week or every other week but for some reason this ad just continues to
0: perform because it hits the nail on the head every time oh so yeah on it well man that's quite a rich ad there you know possibly a million spend hitting that 1.3 1.4 area range but it goes to show under your understanding your LTV just is a gold mine for these scenarios. And mm-hmm. with that poor ad, I mean, hey, spending it, you know, 30K, not even breaking even there. You know, sometimes the messaging just isn't, you know, right for the kind of audience there. Exactly. So, I mean, these are some killer rich ad and poor ads, man. So to kind of wrap this up and kind of dive into the final roast segment of the podcast, we are going to be roasting a random ad we found in a Facebook group. <laughs> you ready for this one, man? Let's do it. Sweet. So we got the M brush it's a back brush. Um, it's a huge product. It looks like get your back brush now. Easy to get your back and keep your body clean. Want to grab one on Amazon? Place an order on Amazon. We will cover the full price for you. New Amazon accounts are not eligible for this offer, and there's limited stock, so hurry. Um, this ad just reeks of not converting by any means. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> I know you you made a good point. It's going to Messenger for an e-com brand, which is pretty pretty ridiculous, but. Give me your thoughts, you know, real quick on this ad here, because this is it's pretty terrible.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's there's really no benefit as to why I should buy this thing. Like I get it. The picture sort of shows you, like, hey, you can scratch your back with it, and that's cool. But it it has this feel of like a wish.com ad. And I know for a lot of us who see those ads, you're like, how did that get approved? (laughs) Right? Because there's there have been some really crazy outlandish ads that have been approved from Wish. And it's just because of the fact that they're a well-known company and you know, international has a little a little more leniency when it comes to their rules of what the ads can say or, or be, you know, in the imagery. But with this ad, it's like, there, there's no reason why I should buy. The readability is terrible because everything's bunched together. All the text is, there's no, there's no space. It's just crammed in. The emoticons, which are just two arrows are also black. You can't read it. Everything is bundled together. And then on top of that, it's talking about Amazon with a messenger link. Where it just says, it just says, get it now. Like there's nothing there that clearly says why I should even look into this thing. And then you're taking me to messenger. God only knows what you're going to send me in messenger (laughs) because you're not telling me why I need to click the button below. And it's like with e-com, most people, when you're going to messenger, it's because I want to send you a code, a discount code, right? But what's the incentive of the discount code? Tell me the price of the product. Oh, it's 40 bucks, but if you click the button below, we'll send you a 15% off coupon to your messenger, and you can use it immediately on Amazon. That would make sense, but you didn't even tell me that. Not even in the ad. It's not in there at all. You're just telling me what's allowed and what's not allowed. It shouldn't (laughs) even be in the ad. It should be on the page that they're going to, or in the message you're going to send them in messenger. So Essentially, the image has nothing to do with the text. The text has nothing to do with the image. (laughs) The title of the company I think it's like M Brush.
0: Yeah. Oh, it's a, it's a That's written it's page. It's gotta be <laughs> it's, it,
1: not even creative. Not even creative. Like even if you gave me the name of the company was just called you know just even if it just had something brush in it, it's like cool. At least it kind of makes sense because the whole product page is about brushes. Or maybe you can make it a little more generic, or it's like top ten gadgets or something. Yeah. Because a lot of people use those generic pages to sell multiple product because it comes off as a, like a review blog, which would make more sense than the way it's being branded right now. And when you go to the page, there's really no branding anyway. So if they wanted to turn things around, (laughs) maybe they should establish more of a brand presence on the page. By the way, that's a little key we tell a lot of people. If you're starting something brand new, put up 10 posts that make you look like a legitimate company, please. That way, when people go and research you, you don't look fake. And then, um, you know, maybe even have a landing page up. That way, if people go and research you, there's something that they can look at. Oh, yeah. not a Shopify store with one product listing. I'm talking like a landing page because then there are plenty of companies who operate just off landing pages. They don't have to have a full store. I know plenty of businesses doing crazy numbers, which is landing pages. If you don't have something that makes you look legit and your ads look like the way that this ad looks, no one's going to buy from you
0: period. I don't so know, you- man. I'm really sold on this non-slip grip and long extended handle. Like <laughs> I mean,
1: I mean, it's, Those two things alone, like those those could be in a great ad if there was a video to go through with it, where it's like, let me show you the product and how it's used. Because this is a type of ad that should be a demonstration. Oh, yeah. Instead, it's an ad that's just like, get a brush and here's how, but it doesn't really tell you how. So it's just get a brush. But here's the funny thing smart people like us will take the image, put it into Google Images and see what other stores are selling the same thing. Yep. (laughs) Because this looks like an image that was pulled from the manufacturer and they just, Plugged it into Facebook. So once again, no uniqueness, no branding on it, uh, no product demonstration. I'm sure even the manufacturer has a video that you could rip and maybe even edit a little bit to make it look different. And they didn't even do that. So, uh, yeah, it was a very lazy attempt at
0: trying to sell a product, but they didn't even do a good job with the copy uh, uh-huh. to get me to one even click. Yeah, this is this is a pretty rough ad, and, I, and I'm glad we had had some time to roast it because it needed to be roasted without a doubt. <laughs> well, David, my man, this was an absolute pleasure to have you on. Um, such an OG in the game, so much value. Um, really appreciate that. But you know, how can anybody find you? Facebook, you know, Messenger, website. What's the best way for people to kind of get in touch with you?
1: Yeah, so if you search my name in Facebook or in in Instagram. Um, I'm always on those platforms the most I'm, I'm the David Schloss with blue checks on both platforms. Ooh. So that way, you know, it's me um, right. that does help, uh, quite a bit now, uh, took a lot of time to get those, <laughs> but, but those, those are where I'm, I'm, you know, at the most, I do respond more on Facebook for obvious reasons. Cause I'm running ads all day. Um, if you do hit me up on messenger, please come with an idea as to what it is you want to talk about. Don't just be like, Hey, thanks for the part it's like thank you for telling me you watch the podcast but is there any way i can help you i just want to know if i can help you so come to me with it with something that you want some help with and then we could take the conversation from there um otherwise yeah just follow my content let me know what
0: you think and hopefully you get some value well david man this is a value packed podcast here so hey man once again thanks for coming on and everybody we're going to go ahead and end this episode of rich ad poor ad but hey shouts out good stuff david